drinking. Hello, Alex Simmons. <laughs> Good Chris morning, Ryan, drinking from a a, uh, a mug, a Vikings mug that you would think would be full of despair because of their loss yesterday. But I got to tell you, I was pleased with my my team or my secondary team. I'm a Giants Vikings fan, and uh, they went further than we thought. They were playing with house money yesterday, but the 49ers were very precise. Uh, I think they have uh, a lot to offer in the next couple games. Um, but my Vikings, God bless you. Off you go. Uh, scary. Uh, second Vikings. thing, hey. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. You got your Viking plug oh, in there. Right. And I got my Mickey plug in here because I got my Mickey cup. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> All right, enough of this Mickey Mouse. There's stuff. a crossover for you. Mickey meets the Vikings. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tell the Damn Story. Um, before we proceed, we started with almost a prayer last last week. Uh, mm. Worried about the soldiers. And listen, we metaphorically dodged a worldwide bullet. Uh, you know, so prayers and blessings go out for the soldiers on all sides. Continue uh, safety yep. and for logic and reason to rule the day for various world leaders. Ah, and now there are sane people in the world. There are. Well, yeah. Every now and then they get near all the important stuff. OK. I'm going to take a pick. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. um uh, anyone out there has been uh, paying attention the last three episodes. Of course they have. You will have noticed that uh, one, Alex Simmons. Oh, God. That God is only Creator one. of Blackjack. Ink Spot award-winning comic book writer, playwright, yes, novelist, Scooby-Dooist, Archieist, <laughs> Batmanimist, has... Left out Sherlock and Tarzan, but that's okay. Oh, Tarzan, yes, 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 please. There you go. But he has not been talking about any of those characters. Oh, I haven't. He has been, I can only say obsessing. Well, classic piece of literature. Classic (laughs) literature called Little Women. Yes, they are. And he was very concerned about the uh, latest, the 2019 version of Little Women. Um, just for, uh, for those of you playing at home, uh, <laughs> this is, uh, directed by Greta Gerwig. Gerwig, yes, Ms. Gerwig. Uh, it's based on the 1868 novel by the same name. That was when, I think Alex was in eighth grade, uh, by Louisa oh, yes, May cute. Alcott. <laughs> cute. It's Louisa May Alcott. Thank you. We were classmates together. She was lovely. And it stars Sarcy Ronan, one of the goddesses' favorite, uh-huh. Emma Watson, Florence Pugh. 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 Sorry. That's what they're telling me. It's Pugh. Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern, Timothée Chamelet, Tracy Letts, Bob Odenkirk, etc. And Chris Cooper. Don't forget Chris Cooper. We're going to mention him later. Can't forget Chris Cooper. Can't forget Meryl Streep. Now, there were two others. Jerry Mathers as a beaver, but that's not important. Uh, The 1993 version starred Kristen Dunst, Susan Sarandon, Claire Danes, Winona Ryder, Gabriel Byrne, Trini Alvarado, Eric Stoltz, Mary Wicks, as Samantha Mathis, etc. And then there was a 1949. Yes, book. yes, and I was around for that too, right? Of course, yeah. yes. <laughs> if I was starring with Louisa, then I must have seen this one shot, yes. Starring June Allison, Elizabeth Taylor, Margaret O'Brien, 
Janet Leigh, Peter, uh, Janet Lee, excuse me, Peter Lawford, Mary Astor, Rosano Brazi, Lucille Watson, and little Elizabeth Patterson. Now, to uh, keep uh, bring you up to speed, should you have missed uh, Alex's uh, obsession, <laughs> he was concerned about the 2019 version. Uh, I would say he was looking askance. <laughs> he was like, this, I don't think I was concerned that it would not that the reboot would somehow defile uh, Miss Alcott's classic uh, novel, that it would not stand up to his preference. And <laughs> after three episodes, standard, he said, okay, standard. look, look, I get, a, I get the hint. It's homework. So I turned to uh, um, just my guide in all things uh, non-Teledam uh, story, which is the goddess. And That's I said, right. we got to go to the movies. And she, and she fought you every way, right? She who uh, reads everything. She reads everything. Everything. When any, anyone says, oh, goddess doesn't read. She reads the Russian authors for fun. That's right. Okay? For fun. She read all the labels on every product in the house. This lady well, reads everything. She clearly does. So um, when I told her that you uh, were concerned about little women, she was delighted to take me. We did a, a dinner and movies so that I could. She's kind of trying to ease my way into it. So she and, fed you first. Huh? She, she fed, fed you first. first. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. She was shocked that I did not uh, take in libations before Ooh. the uh, movie. You no, were being no, clear-headed. No. I had to be clear-headed. It was yes, homework. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I will confess that I did lean over to the goddess and ask for some uh, cliff notes occasionally, <laughs> but uh, I got a working knowledge of it. So now we can have the conversation. The question that Alex Simmons has asked the world: Would the can they do it again? Little Women yeah. stand up to his favorite version. First thing we have to find out, Alex. Which is your favorite version? Well, 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 Coach. I gotta say, um, you know, as far as Little Women's concerned, no, actually, um, you know, my concern, by the way, for all you folks who missed any of the previous episodes, you know, again, shame on you. My concern is, you know, how it deals with tell the damn story, is there's good storytelling, and there's everything else, and literally, yeah, and literally, literally, um. Sometimes a film adaptation of a good story, a good book, a good short story, a good you know comic, a good graphic novel, a film adaptation of that source material does not always hold up. Okay, that's one. Secondly, a lot of the times when Hollywood, either television or or you know big screen, does an adaptation or does a reboot or does a remake of a previously well done film, it really doesn't hold up. <laughs> it really, and a lot of times because they, they don't have the spirit. They don't understand the spirit of the material. They don't have the heart of the story. And so when I heard that they were doing Little Women yet again, because as you mentioned, Chris, it's been done two or three times prior. 2019. And I keep thinking, I keep thinking there's another one in there somewhere. Not an animated one. I yeah, think but that was called Littler Women. Little, tiny Women, Tiny Girls, right. Anyway. Uh, Josie and the Tiny Girls. Um, I just felt, oh, God, what are they going to do now? Because a lot of the Hollywood movies that are doing things that were classic, either classic films or classic uh, books, they throw a gimmick in to try and make it relevant and to try and make it appeal to today's audience. 
right. and and step all over it because again they don't have the heart they don't have the spirit of the story so that was my concern why are you doing this again yes there's some talent in there that i'm aware of their work but oh yeah and then i saw the trailers and i'm going ooh, okay wait a minute hmm the shots i'm seeing well oh, some nice cinematography in there that's a strong moment. That's a nice moment. I hope these aren't the best moments of the film. And I'm seeing the whole movie right now. But maybe I better go see this thing to see if I have to eat my words. So, as again, I lamented to Chris on several occasions. And we both separately sallied forth. Interesting choice of words there. We both sallied forth to see the film. And I saw it yesterday afternoon without the goddess or any other companion for that matter. Uh, I went to a movie Sally. theater. At four o'clock, excuse me? There were no Sally's? Oh, there were Sally's in there, but none of them came with me. I, yeah. I, I went solo. Now, I want, I want people to get the picture here. I was at an AMC movie theater by Lincoln Center yeah. Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. Yes. Right? I do believe the movie was almost, almost sold out. It was certainly a packed house. I cannot swear because I did not scan the whole space. But I think I might have been one of the few, if not the only, large black man sitting there by himself watching this movie. <laughs> okay. So that's the first thing. And when I got into my row, there were ladies on either side of me because they weren't together. They were just, you know, separately. They come to see the film and they, they looked at me, you know, not suspiciously, but they did notice me as I went to sit down. And I thought this this could be interesting because here I'm going to react to the film as I will react. And they're going to react, and we're going to see if we're going to have a moment here. But here we go. All so right. I went to watch it, like I said, by myself, without libation, without dinner. And I have to say that this is, this is not a negative first remark. I will have to say that the 1949 version still remains my favorite. Okay, tell me why. Let's talk about the 49 version for a minute. I'm... And again, I, I think the storytelling, the storytelling was clearer, was the, the, the style, the style and the process. I think I favored it, that style, because it allowed the characters to completely unfold before me. As I got to know these characters, I watched them go through this experience and I'm, you know, for anybody who may never have read the book, never seen a movie, and may Spoilers get interested. Spoilers from 1868. <laughs> I won't. Well, hey, there are folks that never read the book and never saw yeah, any of the listen, movies. So, with, just, with all due respect, I think the spoiler period is passed by a century, maybe. Well, yeah. For for <laughs> those who are into this, yes. For those who, as I say, may go see this because hey, they're they're fans of uh, Circe. <laughs> Circe Ronan, or they're fans of Timothy Chalamet, uh, or any of the others. As a matter of fact, one reviewer said that I think Florence Pugh is going to be in one of the Marvel movies, a Black Widow. And they said, oh, wow, she's playing this character as opposed to that character. So I'm thinking, some folks thinking, oh, Black Widow, move, oh, cool. Who's this Florence Pugh? Let me check her out. So they may never have come anywhere near Little Women. All I'm saying is that the story from 1949, I mean, I should say, the story that Louisa May Alcott wrote and the things that the family goes through unfolded very, it was linear, but it unfolded yeah, in a way that I felt in 1949. It, it, it unfolded in a way that allowed me to get to know these characters, these people, 
as they went through this thing, it built and built and built. The, the wins and losses were, <clears throat> were laid out before me in a way that I felt like when it, when it was over, I'd spent some time with these people. I had had an experience with these people. And again, it, was, it went from beginning to end in that sort of straight on st style or fashion. Right. Okay, having said that, yeah. and, and actually having enjoyed um, more performances in the first, in the 49 version than the 19 version, um, I would still say that the 19 version did, did not let me down really at all. I okay. do have some problems with it, but I sat there, I watched a movie. I watched a good movie. It was good to me for certain specific things, and I do not regret having spent my 13 and change to see it at all, and I'll go into it further, uh, but I'm curious you know, to hear a little bit about you, from you. All right, well, I, I had neither read the book nor had I uh, watched the 1949 version nor the 1993 uh, version. So I was coming in completely cold. Um, what I will say is that uh, I'm a huge fan of Sarsi Ronan, um, because my wife has asked me, oh, let's go see Brooklyn. Yes, man, let's did go Did you see Lady Bird? I did see Lady Bird, she was hilarious in Lady Bird. She was heartbreakingly romantic in Brooklyn. Um, and I'll talk about her performance here. Uh, well, you know what? I um, having no idea what to expect, except for a colleague found out I was going and played me a scene from Friends in which um, Rachel and Joey uh, uh, switch books. Joey reads Little Women and uh, Rachel reads his favorite piece of classic literature, uh, Stephen King's The Shining. <laughs> and uh, eventually they start like it's kind of a tit for tat um, spoiler, you know. So I, I learned some spoilers from friends because my friend was being so friendly. Um, but I want to run down some uh, Sarsi Ronan. Uh, it was everything you want in a book she put into her performance. Mm. I was rooting for her. I was pissed at her. When uh, she said no to a thing I thought was just a, a slam dunk, um, <laughs> I was proud of her when she started making her way as a writer, as anyone who hosted Tell the Damn Story would be. Mm -hmm. um, and when uh, she broke down to uh, Laura Dern, oh my heart, my heart broke. You know, mm -hmm. um, so her performance, uh, I'm really impressed with her in. Uh, as an actress, actor, mm. excuse me, and would watch her in anything, in, in almost anything. Yeah. Uh, Emma Watson. I'm so glad to be able to watch Emma Watson and to watch her as a character and not as Emma Watson and not as Hermione. That's a difficult thing to manage and bravo to her. She has managed it. Yeah. Uh, she was not Harry Pottering in this at all. Yeah. yeah. She's, uh, uh, an adult uh, actor of uh, notice, you know, significant uh, gifts, mm -hmm. and um, she underplays rather than overplays, and you felt the love, and you felt the frustration, and the fear, 
and uh, the scene uh, with her husband. Oh yeah, that's real. Oh that's wow, brilliant. yeah. Brilliant. And to be able to do that and bring that out without, you know, gobbling the scenery—that's to me that's acting. I always prefer to underplay to overplay. So yeah, Florence Pugh. Um, oh God, her performance was so great that I hated her. <laughs> and I think, I think it, in a couple of parts, that that's what you're supposed to do. The, so. the manuscript moment? Oh, God. Oh, I was oh, ready to go for the screen. Man. I was ready to go for the screen. Yes. Yeah, I was so furious. Tina yeah. was watching me knowing who and what I am and, and seeing yeah. it. I looked over when she had that little look like, up. Oh, this movie's getting you. <laughs> yeah. and, and, um, then, and then, just not, again, not to give away, but I said the manuscript moment. So the manuscript moment when she's doing the thing and then the moment before she confesses that she did the thing, when you see that expression on her face, oh. that, that sense, oh, man, it's like, you know. I've, I've seen that face before, and I yeah. hated it then, yeah. and I hate it now, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and also, she, you know, she had this great, oh, just clear-eyed assessment of women of that age, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was... It rang so true for 2020. Uh, they don't aren't as as limited as she is, and but to be able to assess a situation and say no, mm -hmm. you know, I don't. Uh, that's yeah. I think I think there's a lot of energy there for those who want it, and uh, I was yes. Mm -hmm. I think she plays Amy. I think for Joe and Amy. There are moments in the film where their character, where, where the character, Joe and Amy, make very clear statements that absolutely ring true now. Yeah. yeah. You know, really clearly. And yet they were, yeah, you're right, far worse or heavier or greater obstacles then, but they're not off the board now. And yeah. I think, yeah, there was, and, and again, as sisters, saying what they're saying. And then um, the character played by, by Emma, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, Meg. 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 Yeah, Meg. Meg makes a statement about what she wants to do with her life, which also rings true. There was Very a power in that that is yeah. overlooked too often these days. Right. Well, yeah. the, 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 I, and I'm going to quote the, 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 the piece I'm thinking of because I don't think it's much of a spoiler. Um, Just because my dreams are not like yours doesn't make them Less wrong. Uh, excuse, uh, less important, yes. Just because my dreams are not like yours doesn't make them less important. A simple line with such gravity. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you know? Um, uh, I want to talk about uh, Eliza Scanlon. I had never seen her before on screen. And um, what I was informed is there, there's much more to her role and her um, frailty in the book. Mm -hmm. But... Um, with what they gave her to do, I think uh, she handled it as she radiates a kindness and becomes kind of a um, a conscience of the rest of them. Uh, well, there's without... a fragility. There's a fragility to her character even before certain things happen. Yeah. It's there, and yet she's this she's this delicate individual who does have artistry. Yeah, and does have something worth giving to the world and and so you're aware of that and then all these other things happen and it's just it's um so there, there was a funny um 
kind of cheering for your own home team moment there in the movie <laughs> where a character says, describes her as the best of them. And I knee jerk said, no, because I was cheering for Joe. <laughs> but then, you know, in, in, you know, especially in the drive home and that kind of stuff, I see how many things, you know, uh, especially in, in, in this era, don't listen to what people say, look, watch what they do. Mm -hmm. and if you watch what she does. Yes. Well, uh, I'll, I'll back you up on that, but I'll let you finish what you're going to say. Well, I'm going to move on to Laura Dern. Laura Dern, um, I've seen Laura Dern in so many things that I always she see. She plays Laura a mother, Dern. by the way, folks. I'm sorry, the mother. Oh, yes, uh, she plays a mother. Is it the mom or the aunt? I forget. No, no. Laura Dern is the mother. Oh, um, what's your name? Right, right. Um, 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 Meryl Streep. I'm sorry. What's your name? Whoa. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, hiss. Sorry. sorry. Everybody in the world, you heard him say that. I, I, Meryl, I'm sorry. Oh, I even met Meryl, you. You're Meryl. good people. You know, you know where I'm coming from. I'm sorry about that, sis. Okay. Meryl's gonna show through your door. You're she's gonna, gonna kick my butt. Oh wow. She's gonna go. She's, and she's sitting and right there. I was away. nice to your son. <laughs> I was nice to your son when I met him. And look what you did to me on on the air, even. Okay, I'm sorry. So Laura Dern, um, you know, so often I see her as, you know, she's uh, uh, for me one of those actors and those Hollywood stars, and she's right on the edge and just kind of one foot over on the uh, Hollywood star. But um, I was always aware of her as Laura Dern, but I was able to enjoy the performance. So mm -hmm. again, that's a, a level of the commitment, you know? Um, and since since you dissed Meryl, that we're going to talk about... Are you, are you, it her. wasn't intentional. It was, it was disrespected just, Meryl and Meryl... It was just, you know, it was... Step. It was a senior <laughs> moment. That's all. It was just a senior moment. Uh, she's a senior too. She's going to go, mm-mm. Yeah, uh, I know. She's so, not going to accept that. Yeah. So Meryl is... The actor, right? But also the, I mean, she's the movie star, right? And you never not, you never don't recognize that Meryl Strip Streep. Yeah. Oh, what did you just do? Of, Okay, go ahead. The the power of her chops, you know, take you away back, you know, take you into the story. So God bless them. Um, Timothy Shamalot, oh my, the goddess is a big fan of his. I I think I want to sit him down for a couple of slices of Sicilian pizza. Boy, that's a skinny guy. But his <laughs> acting is great. He was, you know, and he never got in the way of anyone else. He accented and brought the stories along, served the story, and that's where you get my most respect. And that's what he can, did. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I, I just just in terms of the rhythm of this dance that we're on right now, I didn't know. I was just thinking. I'd, maybe I'd like to, if you don't mind, I'd like to say a couple of things that I had problems with. Well, I got so two more sentences. Then, and then you I was, go. No, because I was thinking maybe we want to swing back to the positives after uh, I. Uh, well, you I'm don't care. General positives, but uh, okay. I just want to say Chris Cooper. Yes. Always, oh, Chris. always great to see Chris, him. Yes. Now, always great to see him. Always know it's Chris Cooper, or or I'm struggling to remember his name. But then his performance sucks me in. God bless him. He did it again. Yeah. And I was shocked. Even though I knew Bob Odenkirk from the credits, I was shocked when he showed up. And again, he is such a um, a subtle actor that he brings in. So overall, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. There's a few people we didn't mention, but... Uh, not uh, taking anything away from their work. Uh, now, you want to go about some problems, and then I'll react to that. Okay. So... Um... <sighs> Ms. Ms. Gerwig, uh, I don't know her work beyond this. I know of her work, but I've not seen any of it. I know that she did Lady Bird, if I remember right. She yeah. directed that. I'm impressed that she wrote and directed this. I think she did a really good job in the writing. 
I think overall the directing is 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 really fine. And still, I had, speaking for myself, I had a couple of hiccups with certain directorial choices that sort of caused me to sort of trip over my feet as I flowed through the story. You know, just a stumble for a moment and then I'm 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 upright again. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them was the what felt like arbitrary breaking of the fourth wall. I where I would, where would you see that? Excuse me? Where did you see that? Uh, when the characters, and I believe there were three or four, four of them, who throughout the film, at, at only certain points, one person would step forward and talk to the audience, talk to us, the viewers of the film. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, and it was, uh, to, yeah. Me, to me, it felt like there was no particular rhythm to that. I'd almost forgotten it had happened, and then it happened again. Yeah. And then I completely forgot that it happened. There it was again. It was each time it was a little jarring to me. So that that was something I didn't understand that choice, and I really felt for me it interrupted. The the I was in the world, and suddenly this person's talking to me, and it didn't bring me into the world further. It made me stop and realize I'm watching a movie, or this actor is talking to me. I don't want to diss it too much, but that for me is always the unforgivable sin. Mm. Somebody out of the story, unforgivable sin. Well, that's what it did, that's what it did to me. I don't know. Maybe it yeah. didn't bother anybody else. The other thing that that threw me again, me, and I have no problem with like I, you know, Memento and some of the other films that I've seen where the the, the we're in the present, then we're the past, and then we're we're somewhere else, and we're, we got to catch up to know. Oh, we're in the present now. I've done. I've seen that. I've ridden. I've taken that ride in certain other movies and stories, and I and that's fine. Except there were several places here where it once again threw me. It was like, it wasn't like, oh, 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 that's where, no. it was like, what? Like, I wasn't really sure the father would actually come back until I was, oh, the father's actually back. You know, he's really back, you know, because she was having a dream one moment and then, so, so there was that. And then there was, there were two other moments where it, I would not say it's, I don't mind flashbacks, but right. I felt for some reason the transitions between, the present and the flashback somehow didn't feel as smooth as so much of the film did as, as, you know, as really, again, pulling me in, taking me along, uh, the, 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 the cinematography, the costuming, the, the acting, absolutely. You know, a lot of the characters really, they brought their a game and I was there and then suddenly I wasn't. And so those things bother, which is why the 49 version won out you know, more so over this, was those two things. I, I will say this about that. Um, a lot of things that you're talking about, I, it would have stopped me in my tracks had I not been able to lean over to the goddess and get clarity. Ah, okay. Uh, I needed cliff notes for some of those things. Uh, I left thinking that this may be a movie made for those who really love the book or who have watched you know, the few previous movies and really know it well, because there's so much energy, the, 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 the little women, <laughs> the, the girls just, even the very first time you see them, they're bustling and, and, yeah, and I love that. over that was all the great. Roots, the energy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But the, you don't get a clear who's who, you kind of get it through osmosis. And my wife was able to hit the ground running much more than I am. I was because she knew the story so well. So I think those of you who are fans of the uh, of the book and fans of maybe other movie, the other versions of the movies, will really enjoy this because 
none of that will throw you. Some of the stuff threw me. And the, um, uh, the going back and forth, I would lean over and say to, to the goddess, uh, this is seven years ago, is this present time? I mean, their present time, you know, like back and forth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just to be sure. Um, also, there are a couple of things that were, this is going to work cinematically rather than serving the story. I'll just say the, the, the kitchen chair. Right, that was yeah. you know, uh, uh, um, both times was a cinematic moment, mm. uh, um, and I, 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 it worked. And if you really know the story, you know. But um, there were those couple of times where I consciously was able to think about what I thought about the story rather than experiencing the story. Mm. Now, God bless her; she's accomplished. Um, but. If you look at this one and you look at Ladybird for for my money, who cares? I'm just you know some dude, but um, Ladybird is seamless from beginning to end. You never get knocked out of the story. Mm-hmm. It's intoxicating in its success of weaving the story, and maybe it was because well you know I didn't know anything about Ladybird either. I just went in, Tina went and watched, boom. You know, mm-hmm. and she didn't do Brooklyn, but that's a Sarsi Ronin uh, vehicle. And I sat down and was entranced by a movie that I normally wouldn't watch um, from beginning to end. And that is the, you know, I would, I hard, would it's hard to do. And I think yeah. she did. I don't know. I think I'd give her about a, a B, maybe a B plus or something like that, because I, I love I would, I would, I would so many of those actress, uh, actors' performances. I would do a, I would do a B plus. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also say this. Um, and, and again, folks, uh, again, applying this to the context of storytelling and being writers and, and creatives, how well you define your characters, how well they come across, how engaging and uh, mesmerizing they are, that the whole thing pulls you in and you're living that experience, that's a part of your goal. And so what we're discussing here, as, as two old dudes, as two guys, you know, we're talking about a movie that, that is about, you know, the, these women who, have, who go through life and go through a life experience. I was, again, totally caught up in it. Would I go watch a shoot 'em up Absolutely. Have seen quite a few. Plan to go see Star Wars. All that good stuff. But the bottom line is a good story is a good story. I would say that the, the sequence at the beginning of the film, because remember, I, I read the book when I was a teenager back during the Covered Wagon days. And um, I was also... Uh, I think I saw the I think I saw the 93 movie, not in the theater. I think I saw it on television. So again, years ago. So I was not immediately clear on which actress was playing which part when the movie started. But what I enjoyed was watching that family. I yeah. was introduced to this family, and there's a mother, and there are these girls, and how do they all connect, and what's the energy between them, and what's the reality they live? Like someone was saying, one of the reviewers was saying that it's it's a period piece. I mean, it, it takes place during the Civil War, right. but they don't they don't spend hours creating the Civil War so you believe that that's when the story is taking place. They're no. showing you life at the same at that time period, and so the Civil War is affecting their lives, but it's about their lives at that moment in that place. And I felt that period. I felt it was a, a, I felt the era. I felt what they were dealing with. 
And again, without giving out a spoiler, what um, Beth goes through and why she winds up in the, and anybody who knows the story knows that at some point this character becomes unhealthy. Um, what she, why she becomes unhealthy Spoilers. Okay. is a, is a tearjerker tear because you think why she did what she did and how this was the outcome. Wow. You know, so to me, it was get to know these characters, get to know these people, and then take this ride with them, take this journey with them, right. and see how they c continue to connect or oppose each other at mm -hmm. points the way we do in life. And, and I, had, I never had a sibling, but having three children, watching them grow up, I get, I get it. I totally get it. You know, I was an only kid, so you know, the world was all about me. But, but seeing, seeing these three interact, I mean, seeing my three interact, it, it, it was, again, a normal part of life. And watching this movie and watching these characters interact, it was. And then I'll say one more thing about the acting. Um, I was rooting for, for Timothy uh, Chalamet uh, playing, I think his character's name, Teddy or Laurie, depending on... Both, you know, both, yeah. Yeah, who's both. calling him at the time, who's talking to him at the time. But um, he does remind, someone else said this, he does remind me of a little bit, just a little bit, of a, of a James Dean or an early Marlon Brando kind of styling. You know, he's a little bit of the rebel, a little bit outside the mix kind of character there. He's not like any of the other guys in the film. He's not like any of the other male characters in the film. Right. He's his own little individual who you can tell has a lot going on for him, but also isn't sure of just what he wants to do with that, you know, if you want to call it that, his own personal power. Where, where does he fit? And he's got a, a he's got a goal that he's going for that he's not clear how he's going to get it, and so this this makes him an interesting character to watch. So I I agree with you. I think a lot of the performances were were, were top notch. Everybody brought their A game. And Chris Cooper, last thing I'll say, and then we'll go back. You know, send the ball back on your side of the net. Chris Cooper, Chris Cooper. Yes, we we both have watched him in numerous things. Uh, for personal reference to the to the audience, uh, you might have seen him in. The first two born identity, born supremacy films. He's the CIA guy there. He's in a couple of other films. And my personal favorite, my personal favorite Chris Chris Cooper movie was Lone Star. Yeah, it's great in that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's back in nineteen ninety-seven, I think, or ninety-three. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so I've watched this guy over the years, and you're right, every time he steps into a role. You facially recognize it's Chris Cooper. There's an energy that is Chris Cooper, but then the character becomes engaging. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and watching the character he plays in this film, this man who, you know, at one moment appears gruff and all powerful, and another moment so human. I think, yeah, those are great, great, great yeah. moments that he touched yeah. on brilliantly. If it's okay with you, I'd like to use Chris Cooper and uh, Timothy Chamlai and the and the ladies to get into our yes on right yeah um, yep. one of the things that this cast did so well was its job right the job of an actor is to serve the script to serve the story mm -hmm. and because they were so completely their character you know chris cooper uh uh was it um Shyamalan, uh, Cersei Ronan, Emma Watson, Lawrence 
Q, yeah. uh, Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern, even Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk is, you know, limited part, but and and he one of them, the, his Odenkirkness, right? And Francois, Francois wasn't, you know, I think it's right. right. Yeah, another one of the actors. Yeah, but and Meryl, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Meryl. But they are so committed that you get to watch the character, not the performance. The performance is what is moving you, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it allows us to talk about two levels of the first of our get your right on topics, which is subtext. An actor's subtext is what goes on between the characters that's unspoken. Right? That's right. It has to be in the writing, right? You have to have the characters so clear that the the dynamics between the characters drive the story and all that sort of stuff. But the actors, if they're acting the moment, allow the subtext in because they're so committed to the character and so committed to the moment that you get to know, oh, these two characters have been knocking heads or I've had uh, conflicting agendas for this long and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that's the enduring power of that book. Excuse me, that book. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, not. read the book too. And, <laughs> and this movie, you know, it, you may prefer the 49. Uh, others are going to say, wow, you know, especially if they haven't seen anything else, you know, because, you know, this generation may have read uh, Little Women, but they may not have seen 1949 or the equally ancient 1993, <laughs> right? Because anything that's not in their lifetime is ancient history, right? These people... For these people, two weeks ago is for some of us ancient well, history. Well, for the generation that's uh, that you know teenagers that are you know above now, that you really go f from like you know twelve to maybe twenty, maybe mm -hmm. twenty-two at this point. Uh, yeah, twenty-two, maybe even twenty-three. Uh, Nine eleven is a history book thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. my sons uh, were born in ninety-five. They were five when it happens. They have unclear memories of it mm -hmm. you know so anything after that it's just it's as it's as uh personally impactful as martin luther king or george washington or you know world war ii it's all history books mm -hmm. so there's no reason why a 93 or a 49 would be it would hit them as viscerally um so let us talk about subtext right the subtext of heartbreak mm -hmm. in little women of um, inequality uh, of dreams and dreams dashed of trying to find a way in the world that doesn't always allow you a way really strong now there are a handful of sp speeches or monologues about those things mm -hmm. but that's the exception and that's while those are performed so well it's the Interaction to the um, to the between the characters, where I think the more successful uh, sub uh, texts come out, and in your writing, you know everything we talked about last week is what gets you to a point of subtext, right? Mm -hmm. If you have to point at it, it's no longer sub; <laughs> it's text. Yeah. Right? But if your characters are so strong, and you know what moves them. And what uh, repels them, then you can start working on on subtext and all that sort of stuff. I, I would just quickly throw in uh, what may or may not be a revelation for some, but something to think about. It is 
especially difficult for actors in film to play subtext or even to play some of the more emotional connections, pro or con, you know, love you or hate you kind of thing. When you think about the fact that they're not always facing the character they're interacting with. When you see actors on stage, they're opposite each other. They're standing right there looking at one another, delivering the lines. And again, it's give and take. When you've got good actors on stage, they are giving out that energy. They're saying those lines. They're committed to the characters. And they're playing off each other. But a lot of times in film, the actor you're playing opposite in certain shots may not even be in the room. Yeah. And still you got to play that intent and that subtext and those emotions and all of that. So, you know, once again, being clear as a writer, what is going on here in this moment really supports your actors, especially if, you know, you're talking about a film. Yeah. And and how would you term that in terms of, uh, say, fiction writing? Well, fiction, ri- fiction writing, again, to me, if you're writing a book, you're writing, uh, a, you know, something where people are going to sit and read uh, the or, or even if it's going to be animated for that matter. Uh, because, again, <laughs> they're not really looking at each other. You know, that's a series of, of, of paintings or a series of ones and zeros. Uh, but for fiction writing, I, I think that, again, it goes back to for me, it goes back to knowing your characters and knowing what are you trying to say with this story? Because, you know, sometimes writers will have the big picture, they'll have, you know, the big idea, and they're writing totally to the big idea, and yet the characters come across as one-dimensional. And that's because at some point, you're not looking at who they are deeper than the, the surface, and subsequently, you're not getting to any subtext. But once you know who these characters are, and you know what they're going for, and what this story is about, and what you're trying to say with it, then as they become more uh, engaging, more real to you, you understand what's going on with each one of them and you know where they're actually poking one another or where they're holding back because they don't want to say such and such in front of so-and-so or they're ashamed of. You know, again, like going back to Little Women, um, the character Beth does not want to, she, she play piano beautifully. She doesn't like to play in front of anybody. You know, she's very shy and she's painfully shy and it comes out even further into the film how painfully shy she is when she's given this great opportunity. So, again, that could have very easily been, here's this great opportunity. Oh, thank you very much. And all she, But no, we're playing how, how gentle and fragile is this human being. And, and yet she has so much to give, but it's so painful for her to give it beyond the family and herself. And so that's, that, to me, is a nice little... We don't make a big deal out of it. It's not discussed throughout the movie, but it comes in there in subtle ways throughout. And I think that's understanding your character, and that's also telling the story on more than one level. Right, and I think uh, that kind of material, the subtext, mm-hmm. is, is what you wind up chewing on or, or discussing uh, after the movie, after the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sure, the first five or ten minutes are, and then this happened, and then that happened, and then if the conversation goes, and if you're with the, the people who will extend a conversation like that, then it starts talking about what it was really about. And, yeah. And uh, that comes from, you know, the actions and the motivations and all the unsaid stuff. You know, it's it's so frustrating uh, for a, um, an aspiring writer to hear other writers say, well, it's the unsaid stuff. It's the unwritten stuff. Well, what the hell? I'm a writer. How am I going to write the unwritten stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, if I don't write it, it's not written, but it's it's there. What? Yeah. 
Well, you know, and the thing, the thing to um, offer there is to uh, quote Stephen King, you know, uh, and uh, a thousand other writers. Um, if you want to write, read mm-hmm. everything all the time. And I would say that extends to um, conscious uh, viewing of uh, film or TV, right? I, w- I, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, 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 exactly. You have to know what you're watching and you have to match it to, you know, a reason, right? Um, a, a television series is going to, unless it's already, you know, it's going to be finite and they know how they're getting to their ending, it's going to be a, you know, unending serial like a comic book or this or that. So you're looking at those kind of things, not for a story arc, a story arc, because the story arc is only the arc of that episode, not the right. longer one, right? right In a right. film, you're looking at the longer story arc, but you're also looking for the themes and you're looking for um, the subtext and all that stuff. And here's how you get good at that. Um, you do this with novels, you do this with uh, film, you read or watch in a genre one or two of the classics. Mm. And then watch five, ten, or five to eight of the disasters. <laughs> right? You know, it's not to mock them. It's that once you kind of see how well it's done, you start picking out how low one of the other uh, uh, one of the staff ship, members has come Nunzio in. Has arrived. This yes, Nundio is there. One of the staff members is, of of, uh, of uh, Seamus Productions is a uh, publishing arc has come in there. Um, that was what, uh, Sonny, our security dog. Uh, yeah. But he ran away right away because you know there might be some movement out in the world, and that's yes. not loud from him. I believe that's and, translated to squirrel. Yeah. Yeah, squirrel. Yeah. So um, the when you watch something terrible. You see, you know, yeah, you can mock it, then watch it again. Just see why it went, where exactly, it went. exactly. And you learn to avoid those potholes, right? And then go back and watch another classic, and you say, ah, ah, that's how they do it, did it so well. And you start getting a flavor for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, watch babies learning to walk. <laughs> you know, read a book about, you know, they don't, they take lessons, right? They they fall on their butts a, a while and then they get used to it. Same thing here. We uh, we get good examples, right? They look at the babies, look at the, all the adults walking around. They're doing pretty good, except for Uncle Cho, who seems to be drunk. Um, yeah, but <laughs> he stumbles just like me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look at that. Yeah. Um, but they learn from watching, observing, and trying. And the same thing here. Read early, read, read often, read a wide variety of stuff, fiction, mm-hmm. nonfiction. Uh, nonfiction is for information, not for subtext, right? Fiction, that's why you look at all the uh, all the techniques and all that sort of stuff. And the same thing with your your viewing. And right? and I would also just a segue um, from from the subtext, which some of the material that you just mentioned, into the next thing, which is is stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, again, looking at Little Women, you know, oh, they're women, so women must be X, Y, and Z. No. There are four women living in the same house, actually five if you count the mom, living in the same house, and they're different human beings. Six. Oh, well, Meryl again. No, Meryl doesn't live in that house. But 
She's so important. Yeah, but you forgot who does live in the house or who does work. Is it the, uh, I, I believe they refer to her as Nana because we never mentioned her. It's the lady right. who comes. Right. But in terms of the family, the March family in that house, there's mom and four daughters and they're four different women. And there are moments throughout the film, as in the book, where you realize how they're different. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not just the obvious Joe wants to do this and there and and Meg wants to do that. It's there's subtleties, there are levels, they're supportive of each other, they're at each other's throat. You know, it's it's all of those things because they're human beings. And once yeah. you start to remember, remind yourself with any kind of character that you're working with, that they're a human being. There may be similarities, some cultural similarities or some racial similarities or gender or physical, but the bottom line is they're individuals and you have to deal with that individual yeah. so that he or she comes clear through the story and and that's what i feel again they they did really well the acting in particular but also the writing you know again give it to uh gearwig um i i really enjoyed the writing within this in this particular piece yep. and i will once it's on you know dvd or streaming or something i will watch it again yeah yeah well i, I want to use again uh the examples that we keep going back to. Um, in 1868, you could name a family of forward-thinking females the March family. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can do that in 2020. You'd have to come with a more subtle name. But that served as a nice subtext in 1868, you know, because every single one of those uh, uh, um, uh, women... Um, are marching forth in, in a world that does not want them to, right? Mm. Um, also, in 1868, you can tag each daughter with a different skill. You know, if you did that in 2020, it would seem like the Fantastic Four. It would seem like, <laughs> you know, right? Um, it would seem like a, um, what was a hook in 1868 would seem like a stereotype. So... How do you get past the stereotype? The character you give, and again, it's that it's that character uh, bile that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. You know, the more you know, the more you um, develop and yeah, that human being. Yeah, give them a a well-rounded personality. You know, um, and sometimes learning from each other and echoing each other and sometimes clashing and all that sort of stuff. But it's all about building up those characters and then putting them in the room together, you know? Uh, Neil Simon. Yeah, I was going to say Neil. Yeah. He said, just give me two opposing characters, put them in the room, I'll give you a play. Yeah. yeah. And, and and didn't didn't Sorin, Sorkin say something similar? Aaron Sorkin? Yeah, he want, yeah he, he, that's all he wants. He wants yeah. a, couple of, uh, a couple of characters in a room and he's ready to go. And, yep. and you can see that in all his work. Um, but it's, it's easy to misunderstand that. What he means is fully developed characters. What right. he also means is fully developed characters. And then they're going to, uh, uh, express their differences and express the, um, uh, the story through dialogue and action, dialogue and action. Right? And conflict. The conflict yeah. is key to well, everything, story. Everything's going to, you know, if you have like the odd couple for Neil Simon, right? Mm -hmm. Two very different characters. Putting them in a room together is going to create conflict because they see the world in opposing ways. Yeah. If we go back to Little Women, um, there were there were sisters that were 
not only they, they have different talents that drove them in different ways, but those talents informed the way they saw things, mm-hmm. you know, and in, and how they reacted to things. For example, Joe and the artist is Amy. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Joe's a writer. And in, in there's a logic to her. There's a planning. We see in the film physically, we see action when she's plan, writing and planning and planning the pages and all that mm-hmm. stuff. We see the orderliness. We see uh, the way she dresses. We see uh, the way she uh, views the world, mm-hmm. right? Uh, artistically, but in a very logical, progressive way. Um, linear, you would almost say. And uh, Amy is an artist and sees it in a nonlinear way, in a visual way, right? And, and therefore lives her life that way. And because those are different ways of viewing the world, and because Joe is, she may be the very oldest one, I'd have to check with the I goddess. Believe, yes, yes. And Amy is the youngest one, and a little spoiled. Uh, there's a jealousy from Amy to is uh, Amy. Joe. Wait a minute. I don't. I think Amy is is third. Okay. I, I think yeah, I think Beth is the youngest. Beth might be the youngest. Yeah. We we need yeah. the goddess. Um, but the artist and the writer clock click their whole lives uh, um, uh, are conflict because of how they see the world and how well developed those characters are. So. Mm. Developing the characters, characters equals uh, 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 creates conflict. Knowing the characters will help you create the conflict, and conflict will help you create the subtext. Uh, goddess, is that you? No, it's uh, that's your godson, Tyler. Good hey, to see Tyler. You, Tyler. Tyler, what do you got to say about Little Women? I haven't seen it. There you go. He's <laughs> taking the fifth, bro. <laughs> right there, right there, with a snappy answer. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So by doing all that, by going through the background of your character, you go right past stereotype to unique, right? Unique um, individuals, yes. And it's, that's the work of it, right? It's, this is why writing isn't first draft and done, right? Um, you know, rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. You know, you got to think of writing as oil painting, not water painting, right? Water painting the first time the brush touches the, uh, uh, the surface, that stains it in a way that's going to be permanent. Oil painting will stay wet and you can manipulate it, right? Same thing, the difference between, you know, uh, 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 chiseling concrete or molding clay, right? It, mm-hmm. Writing is the molding, right? You have to go and bring out the nuance. Um, knowing the character and doing the work and going for a long walk and, and listening to the character's songs or thinking about the character or following the... Um, the background and asking the questions of each which, which also affects which also affects dialogue interior dialogue you know uh, all of the things that are either spoken or that the character might be going through in his or her head that affect their next action or their yes. next their next intent and that Absolutely. brings us to the last two things for this episode which is second bananas and interior dialogue versus being able to talk to someone else right mm-hmm um, if we were going to stick with the Little Women theme, one of the things we're, not, we're having cool. such a good time with it. Yeah. That's right. One of the things that's really cool about Little Women is that everybody takes a turn as a second banana. You know, everyone's story, when you focus in on one of the characters, she's the lead of that moment. And what other, whatever is other sibling or, or Lori or, you know, uh, whoever's, they are who you're bouncing that story off of. They become mm-hmm. 
And because there's a balance to everyone's story, you don't see the second banananess of it, you know. But one of the things Alcott does and the movies do is they empl- she employs and the movie uh, filmmakers do as well. Uh, both exterior dialogue between characters mm-hmm. and interior dialogue when Joe is writing and we hear what she's writing or we hear, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you, again, reading all the time, watching all the time, writing all the time and seeing what works and embracing the beauty and the power of rewriting will get you through these things. Knowing when you need a second banana and knowing when uh, interior dialogue will work and exterior dialogue won't, well, that's that's part of the process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been trying hard not to uh, talk about um, our own material, but uh, I'll talk about City <laughs> Woe for a minute. Uh, City Woe has two detectives, and they have a second banana, right? And um, one of the things I worked on was to give each of them agency. You know, there was one thing that they had that the other character was lacking. So that together, they, you know, um, also uh, the antagonist starts with the second banana who is taking, abandons him at a certain point because of the theme that he is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Underneath all of City of Woe is a modernized, echo of Dante's uh, um, Inferno. Inferno. So the two detectives serve as each other's, you know, it's Dante and his guide Virgil. So sometimes Mallory is Dante and Gunner is Virgil and sometimes Vir- Gunner is Dante and Mallory is Vernal, Virgil. What happens with the antagonist, if you, you have the antagonist, you can see him as a Dante and the Virgil disappears as he goes deeper into the Inferno, because as Dante said, and the reason why Dante made um, the Inferno or hell narrow as it went down is because he thought sin is an isolating experience. And the further down you get to it, the further down that path of, you know, justified evil or whatever, Mm -hmm. the more isolated you become. So that's why, you know, so again, it's knowing your characters and knowing where they're going gets you to start working and playing with those things. Um, but the antagonist was not alone uh, in the first eight or ten drafts of that novel. It's as I learned the story, you know, and again, it's the, you got to embrace the rewrites. So, you know. Which you you always say, and which is, is also so true, you know, whether people get to do, you know, ten or, or twenty or two, Rewrites are necessary no matter what. And if you're blessed with the opportunity to rework it, not overwork it, but rework it to get it honed to its best version, or, right. you know, what you can believe in and hand in, um, that's a great thing. But, you know, well, just understand that just writing it, just throwing it out there, yeah. that's not the end of the journey. That's not the yeah. end of the process. And, and I, I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Full disclosure. Uh, when I embarked on that first novel, it's way back down there. Um, the idea was journey of teaching myself how to write stories, how mm. to write novels. So 
uh, having gotten trained by screenwriters and, and uh, uh, novel workshops and all that sort of stuff, um, I embraced the idea that I wouldn't be putting this, I wouldn't have a deadline uh, or be putting this to market right away. So that was almost an indulgence on my, uh, on my part. Not all of us have that. You know, if you're mm-hmm. running to a deadline, you're not going to be doing 10. So I want to give you, I want to introduce uh, uh, a concept. There's a difference between rewriting and pre-writing. Both are equally important. Pre-writing is when you give yourself time to think about it and to take some notes and phones have that notepad. You know, you can even uh, 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 listen into it now, right? Yeah. Um, so that you're working when you're at the gym or you're working when you're walking the dog or cooking dinner. You're still working on the character. Or driving maybe home from work, a, whatever, yeah. Maybe you create a playlist. Maybe when you look at the, the news, you look at it and ask yourself, how would this character react to that? How would that character react to that? That doesn't have to be part of your story, but it will be part of your characterization, which begot, begets all the other parts of the right. story. It informs you. Become yeah. biblical about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and... and um, Interior versus exterior dialogue. There's a reason for that, you know. Um, write, write a story that's all interior dialogue. And a couple pages in, you'll learn, whoo, there's a burden with that. And it really has to have a reason to use it. And write a whole story, you know, you may not have a plan to go anywhere. I mean, all right, I'm going to write three pages, purely dialogue, and each character has to be different and you know, just two people. And mm-hmm. can I make, can I sustain interest for three pages uh, and build it from an introduction to an ending without, you know, telegraphing things, without having to show, uh, uh, without having to tell rather than show, with minimal narrative uh, uh, description, just the conversation. And, uh, you know, you learn a lot of intent and what works and doesn't work and it's great it's a really fruitful exercise give yourself the time to teach yourself in that way i think i think it's a good place for us to um put down the pencil you know for the day right you know drop the mic boom uh but you know again i i I hope those of you who are you know who who listen to us on on a regular basis or drop by you know often um Note again that we we tend to, as Chris was just saying, we sometimes try not to talk about our own stuff. But whatever we're talking about, it is always about, you know, serving the story. And we can just as easily have these kinds of dialogues and and discussions about action, adventure, you know, sci-fi or whatever, as well as drama, romance, you know, whether it's into the future or, or back into the past. A good story is a good story. There are certain goals you go for to achieve that. And what we try to bring out here is what, as we see it, and what those that we respect as writers and creators see as those goals. And one of them is, again, being true to the story, right to be true to the story, whether it's a script, screenplay, or a novel, but also know your characters so that they come alive on those pages or on that screen. And people can sit, and like we did, and talk about how that story moved us or affected us. And that's how you tell the damn story. (laughs) 
Indeed. Thanks for joining us, everybody. As always, please leave a comment, questions. Uh, if you agree or disagree, throw that in there. We're cool with that. We always love to hear from you, and I hope you continue to love to hear from us. Chris, as always, thank you, bro. Thank you, brother. Peace, everyone.